is Bean to Barstool, a podcast that looks at the intersections of craft beer and craft chocolate. My name is David Nelson. I'm a professional beer writer and an advanced Cicerone and the creator and host of this show. The music for this episode is by my dear friend, indie folk musician Anna P.S. You can find out more about Anna's music in the show notes or at her website, annapsmusic.com. You can find links and information about our guests in the show notes as well. I hope you enjoy this episode of Bean to Barstool. On the surface, beer and chocolate seem worlds apart, but many of the processes and conditions that influence the flavor of beer and chocolate ingredients actually have a lot in common. For example, fermentation plays a role in both. In beer, this is part of the production process itself, but in chocolate, fermentation exerts its influence long before a chocolate bar gets made, with raw cacao being fermented just after harvest to develop flavor and ready the beans for use. Roasting can also play a significant role in both beer and chocolate, with most chocolate beans and many specialty malts for beer being roasted at high temperatures without being burned to develop color and flavor. This leads to many dark malts often used in porters and stouts having chocolate-like or chocolate-adjacent flavors. Additionally, differences in varietals within hops and cacao, as well as issues of terroir with each, have major impacts on ingredient selection for beer and chocolate. And then there's the seemingly endless list of flavor additions, ingredients beyond the basics needed for producing beer and chocolate that modern brewers and chocolate makers experiment with to produce new flavor combinations. Some are familiar and comforting, some are unexpected and challenging. In either case, curiosity is rewarded with new experiences and new insights. Those commonalities in the way flavors are developed and layered to create beer and chocolate lead to natural partnerships between these two worlds, with breweries and chocolate makers working together to create beers brewed with cacao or chocolate infused with beer or its ingredients. The common ground for these collaborations goes beyond ingredients, though, to include the cultures and ethics behind both craft industries. Craft beer and bean-to-bar chocolate seem made for each other, and more and more, we're seeing them made together. Asheville, North Carolina, sits on the east side of the Blue Ridge Mountains, about 35 miles from the highest point in the United States east of the Mississippi. It's a mountain town, both in geography and culture, with a loose, outdoorsy mood that belies the town's steady growth and numerous industries. The city limits are home to a little over 90,000 people, but the metro area swells to a little under half a million, and despite its laid-back attitude, the town can feel a bit like it's bursting at the seams. It hosts a vibrant arts community and one of the best collections of craft breweries in the country— earning it the title Beer City USA in several annual polls over the last decade. National craft breweries like Sierra Nevada, New Belgium, and Oscar Blues all have production facilities and tap rooms around the city, and close to 50 other local breweries operate in or near Asheville, including highly esteemed names like Highwire, Highland, and Burial. There are other artisan food producers in the city as well, including French Broad Chocolates, French Broad takes its name from the river that flows lazily through Asheville, and they make single-origin and inclusion bars and bonbons for retail sale and other confections for their cafe downtown. 
French Broad frequently collaborates with local breweries, big and small, and has forged a particularly fruitful relationship with Burial Beer in the hip South Slope neighborhood. This partnership has gone beyond a one-off collaboration to develop into an ongoing creative union built around the friendship between French Broad co-founder J.L. Radigan and Burial co-founder Jess Reiser. We heard from J.L. and Jess in the last episode, where they shared insights on the differences between beer and chocolate descriptive language. In this episode, we'll hear from them about the collaborative processes between their artisan businesses and their individual reflections on beer and chocolate. I spoke with J.L. about her own relationship with craft beer and French Broad's frequent collaborations with Asheville breweries. So I want to talk about the relationship that you have with a lot of the craft breweries there around Asheville. Before we jump into actually talking about those specifically, I want to hear your relationship to craft beer. Are you a beer drinker? Yeah, I've had, you know, beer has been my beverage of choice um, for most of my life. And I started drinking before it was called craft beer. (laughs) We just called it good beer. Um, when I was in college, which was, you know, the early to mid nineties. Um, so I, I went to college in Madison, Wisconsin, and we had, um, a couple good breweries there. Even back then, New Glarus was, was around and, you know, and I think there was, um, an association of, um, dark equals good, which I think is a, you know, is a bit, is a novice, um, sort of opinion of that is shared in craft beer, specialty coffee and chocolate, where you sort of have this, I don't want to say a negative word, but I can't think of a better word, but like snobbery, you know, like when the Starbucks movement happened, people would be like, Oh, I just want it bitter, just dark as possible, dark roast, you know, and then with chocolate, it's like the higher the cacao percentage, the better, give me a hundred, you know, and there's this sort of like pride of, um, of consuming, you know, um, darkness. And I think that was my introduction to good beer was like stouts, you know, was like dark, heavy beers. So when you drink good beer then today, or you're tasting beer, is there a difference for you mentally or in terms of process of tasting a good beer versus tasting chocolate? I think there's a lot of overlap. But I think that when I drink beer, definitely there's a social component to it. Um, so there's less of a focus on the tasting experience. Um, that said, I was at um, Burial last night uh, with Jess, the co-founder of that brewery, which is an amazing brewery, and had a lovely um, saison farmhouse sale. Um, that was nice. It was just a little tart, quite bitter, a lot of citrus happening. So, you know, I think that the social aspect for me of, of having a beer is a bit distracting on the, the tasting experience. Sure. Where chocolate is more, um, you know, I might spend more time in, um, in assessing and tasting. Sure. Uh, are there situations when you're tasting uh, beer where you feel like you do get some of those, you know, deeper experiences, the, the, the memories, the emotions, things like that, that can come up with it? Hmm. That's a good question. Again, I guess since, you know, my, I, I think generally when I taste 
you know, food or alcoholic beverages, I, I tap into my vocabulary um, from childhood. And so with chocolate, you know, I might taste a, what we call in my family a sugar cereal, <laughs> which are not really allowed <laughs> when I was growing up, but like I might taste, you know, fruity pebbles or like the marshmallows in Lucky Charms or the stick that you would dip into the, whenever those were called, lick a maid. Yes, um, yes. You know, just like very specific, um, sweet, um, especially sweet tastes from childhood. Um, I definitely pick up in a lot of um, chocolate and wine. Um, and I, I think that's, again, just a vocabulary when, when my, um, my sense memory was developing, that was, you know, what I was, <laughs> what I was in, enjoying and enjoying tasting. Yeah, sure. Uh, so let's go ahead and talk about some of those brewery collaborations then. You've done a number. Uh, I've seen Sierra Nevada, Wicked Weed, Pisgah, Burial. Are there others uh, that I'm missing? I think we've worked with most of the breweries in Asheville. Um, Green Man, um, Highwire, a lot of different uh, collaborations. And I think, you know, that speaks to um, the shared values of our town as much as the shared values of our industry. Um, People in Asheville, business um, people in Asheville really support each other. Um, so if you can buy cacao nibs from the internet or you can buy them from your local chocolate maker, you know, it's, um, it's just a, a, a good opportunity to, to feature and collaborate with local, a local business like ours. Sure. Has that mostly gone, those breweries approaching you for that purpose or how do those collaborations typically come about? Yes, I would say most of them are, um, them approaching us. Um, and you know, there's different levels of collaboration as well. Um, you know, we can be like an ingredient provider, you know, that's not so much collaboration as they're buying, um, something that we're selling. Um, then there's, you know, a deeper level of collaboration, which might be like, here's what I want to make. I want to make an IPA with chocolate. Like what would be a good way to infuse the flavors of cacao into, this kind of beer instead of this one. And we'll talk origin and we'll talk roast profile and we'll talk different constituent parts of, of the cacao seed. Like we've used husk in some beers. Um, we've used nib in some beers. We've used just whole cracked beans, which include both of those components. Um, so, you know, collaborating in helping to provide expertise and, and helping them develop the best formula they can. We talked in the last episode about the freedom within craft chocolate to use nostalgic or whimsical language, and I thought it was interesting there that even when JL described beer flavors, she employed nostalgic language from childhood. When I talked with Jess Reiser, co-founder of Burial Beer, she explained the organic way the friendship between French Broad and Burial Beer began, her own relationship to craft chocolate, and why these artisan products are so suited to each other. Tell me a little bit about how the relationship began between Burial and French Broad. Absolutely. Well, um, you know, JL and Dan um, are, have always been kind of business owners in Asheville that I've personally looked up to. Um, they kind of have a similar story, uh, like origin story, um, as far as, you know, starting in a very grassroots 
um, manner. You know, they um, started very small out of their home. Um, and we started our brewery as a nano brewery, a one barrel system. And, you know, also did it, you know, at a time um, in Asheville, you know, where tourism is certainly not what it is today. Um, and they have two young, well, their, their boys are preteen and teenager now. Um, but I also have two boys um, and kind of similarly, their kids were born kind of during and right after the business started. Um, and so there was just a lot of like personal relatability there. Um, and then, you know, furthermore, from a business structure standpoint, um, you know, the, the business is very similar. Um, so there's a wholesale component, there's a retail component, and there's a production component. And that's, that's identical to how our business functions too. Um, I remember a few years ago, just feeling crazed and it dawning on me that we were running three different businesses essentially in one. Um, and so, so JL and I have you know, become friends over the years um, and just, you know, colleagues um, kind of leaning on each other for, for advice. Um, usually me more so with her, um, but, and, and just, their product is just such high quality and their branding is so beautiful. Um, and they're such intentional individuals when it comes to how they run their business, um, and the products that they put out. And so, um, it felt on many levels, like a very, you know, natural fit and just kind of, yeah, happened kind of organically, both being in the South slope. I mean, there were just a lot of, again, parallels between, us as people and the businesses. Sure. Uh, what was your experience with Bean Bar Chocolate before French Broad, or was that your kind of your introduction to that world? I would say, mm. you know, we lived in Seattle, um, and there was this, there is this place called Theo's Chocolate, and so my experience prior to French Broad was that there was this chocolate place, um, and they had samples out. And so I would get to go and like eat all of these samples essentially. And clearly recognizing that this was, you know, very, um, you know, like craft chocolates, so like again, high quality intentionally made chocolate. The education piece of like bean to bar um, didn't come into my um, space until French Broad. And I think that they do such a great job of educating their consumers on that process, um, whether it's, you know, b- being at the factory um, and kind of reading through that process and how they've created a, an environment where you can actually, as a consumer, see into the production facility um, or even the little um, tags that they put in their chocolate bar packaging um, does a lot of kind of explanation surrounding um, the process that they go through and, um, and the farms that they work with, and it's it's a super fascinating process all 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 together, and it's a complicated one too. And so um, there's a lot of people involved, and a lot of time and relationship building, and um, and and so yeah, it's incredibly impressive. So uh, now that there's an existing relationship between Burial and French Broad, when there's going to be a new collaboration, like you're going to do a beer that uses their chocolate or a chocolate that uses your beer. What is the process for actually developing what that end result is going to be? Well, it starts, um, 
you know, we're, we're fortunate that a lot of times chocolate and beer go, go really well together. Um, you know, both from a side by side pairing, but also like chocolate works well in beer. Um, and then also when you think about kind of adjuncts that are used, um, in beer, so your chocolates, your almonds, your peaches, um, things like that, um, also work really, really well, um, in chocolate. And so, so there's a lot of opportunities, which is great. Um, you know, for, for us, for the, we basically, we get together and we think about just that, like what, what will work in both this beer and in this chocolate. And so, and kind of with the mindset of how can we make them taste similarly? Um, so in, in the two releases that we've done recently, it's less about kind of like complementary flavors as far as the pairing goes, which, you know, you might get at a restaurant, you know, when you go to a prefix dinner or something, where this is really kind of like two, two different forms, one liquid, one solid, and utilizing a lot of the same flavor components um, to, to have them taste, yeah, um, very similarly. Two versions or visions of the same flavor combination. One, a liquid beer, the other, a solid chocolate bar. JL dove in to explain more about this experiment and to explain the depth and breadth of these creators' collaborations. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Getting a Cicerone certification is an amazing way to raise your beer knowledge and can be a game changer for your beer career. But how are you supposed to find the time to prep and how are you supposed to know exactly what to study? Don't sweat because the Beer Scholar has you covered. The Beer Scholar is a sponsor of Bean to Bar Stool, but I can tell you from personal experience years before I was doing this podcast how helpful the Beer Scholar study guides are. They offer efficient online courses for levels one and two that cover everything you need to know, tips and tricks for how to pass the exams, and include live weekly Zooms to taste and discuss classic beer styles together. They even have a new coaching program for the level three advanced Cicerone exam. I used the Beer Scholar Study Guide to pass my Level 2 exam many years ago. I wish the Level 3 had been around when I took that exam. I had to do it on my own. Wish their study guides had been available for that at the time. The vast majority of certified Cicerones in the world today have used Beer Scholar to help achieve the goal of passing that exam. If you are ready to take your beer career to the next level, visit thebeerscholar.com and check out their online courses. we've gone even deeper with burial. Um, you'll actually see a release tomorrow of a true collaboration in which we developed a beer flavor profile together. And um, I don't know if you know much about burial, but they are the coolest. I do. <laughs> I love burial. <laughs> yeah. their, their beers are just, um, you know, uh, outstanding and their branding is so um, interesting and beautiful and um, confusing sometimes just yeah. like the pair full of paradox and um, it's but we um, we talked we created a, our first collaboration beer which was um, inspired by a, a 
what we're calling Bon Bon Bar, which was like a, you know, we make bon, a lot of bonbons. That's like a foundation of our business. We made Bon Bon Bars, which were basically just like candy bars with the attention to quality and detail and process and ingredients as our bonbons. Um, and we made a set, well, I think you got to try it um, this year with burial beers for different bonbon bars. And one of them inspired um, a beer that they, a limited release that they did, which was a, an imperial stout with peanut and caramel and chocolate. Um, which, that. do you remember the title of that beer? <laughs> are you kidding I know their me? Names are like always, the names words. are always, they're like full poems, <laughs> their, their names. Right. I had a friend who uh, just got back from Asheville this weekend and brought me two of their beers that were done with you. Um, oh, cool. One was the, like, I was particles among the sky. Yes. Something. Was that it? That was it. Okay, yeah. great. I have so that. So that I, I just had to, it. oh my God. Um, it's so good. If you happen to have any of those Bon Bon bars left, um, there was one, the um, peanut stout caramel. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the, that was the collaboration. Um, so the, the caramel is made with their Imperial stout and, um, and the ganache is made with their Imperial stout and then it's got roasted peanuts. So they are excellent together. It is super fun to, to enjoy them together. Highly mm-hmm. recommend. Just a little background on the name. Um, the, the, that like <clears throat> Doug is, I think like the, you know, the creative sort of guru behind the poetry names. Um, so he was feeling, he was tapping into this feeling from, you know, this kind of remote life that we're all living and zoom meetings and, um, and, and, um, conjured a memory of, uh, Mike TV from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you remember that character? It was uh, one of the kids. Vaguely, yeah. And he he was the first um, human to um, transform into TV waves. Um, oh. And so he became a million particles, um, you know, from his human form into the TV form. And when he came out, he was a tiny little person, had to be stretched out. Um, but um, that was the inspiration of the the particles man, particle man, as we call him. And that was the inspiration of the beer. Um, from there, t- actually tomorrow, there's a release. So they do um, a limited you know, uh, release of um, Imperial Stouts. And then they do sometimes a kind of riff on that stout. So just something a little bit tweaked um, to do a second release. And um, so that's tomorrow and the inspiration. And this was like, I felt, um, I had so much fun partnering with them on, on this aspect um, of the, the creation process. Um, but we talked about like, okay, it's around 4th of July, like summer theme, like what are some desserts that you remember? And so we just started talking about like the ice cream truck and like running down the street after the ice cream truck and like what our favorite treats were. And we talked about bomb pops and that seemed kind of hard to do and beer and chocolate and we ended uh, up landing on the strawberry drumstick which was you know an ice cream cone with um, like a waffle cone and strawberry ice cream with a chocolate center and rolled in in crushed peanuts um, so that's the flavor profile of the beer and then we did a bonbon bar um, as a set so that's going to be offered tomorrow um, as a set 
it's yeah so we did a a, a bar with um a layer of strawberry ganache including freeze-dried strawberries and um and then a layer of like foyotine with like milk chocolate and um waffle cone like broken up waffle cone crunchy layer um and then it's enrobed in milk chocolate and covered in roasted peanuts so it definitely like conjures up that flavor profile yeah, of sure. the ice cream truck um and then the beer was designed with that same flavor flavor profile in mind and and the branding is a riff on the particle particle man so i'm really excited about that collaboration and then we've got um another one that we're working on after that so you know the depth of collaboration can vary but um it's 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 amazing to be in this um this town of asheville is so focused on craft beer um and to you know work together um to pair chocolate and be such a great opportunity so when you guys when you and burial decide to do a collaboration uh you just sit down in a room together and start throwing out ideas are you tasting things as you're doing this how does that collaborative like brainstorming process actually happen Mm -hmm. so with some of the beers um you know the brew the brew master would work with our um, head chocolate maker to kind of talk through different origins and roast profiles and things um with this one was more of a, a creative um birthing process that like I got to contribute on the name of the next collaborate, like that, the next collaboration, I got to vote on the name and like, I give feedback and like, look, he like sent the artwork to review. Like it was, I felt um, so lucky <laughs> uh, to be a part of that. Um, so I think it, it, it depends on the collaboration, anything from like email back and forth to phone calls, to meetings, to, you know, tastings. Sure. In that collection of bonbons that you did, you put out for Father's Day, when you taste those individual bonbons, are you able to taste the exact influence of that beer or is it a little bit more subtle than that where it's just kind of, it's altering the flavor profile, but maybe you can't say, yeah, I definitely know that there's this beer in there. How does that work for you? Yeah, I think it's more of a taste feeling. <laughs> um, you know, you can taste that, this caramel is made with IPA, but maybe you can't decipher that it's a surf wax IPA, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you can taste that it, it tastes stout. Like it tastes like a good, dark, bitter, deep flavored, robust, um, beer, but you might not know which Imperial stout it is when you taste the, the candy bar. So, um, yeah, I think that, you know, there was a, a coffee, we used a, a coffee um, porter and that, again, was um, you definitely taste coffee and you taste porter, but you might not know specifically that it's this, this batch, this release. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Final Gravity Issue 4 is now available in the Bean to Barstool shop. This fourth issue of our zine telling intimate, human-centered stories from the world of beer is full of great articles, including Kate Power of Lady Justice Brewing talking about why she might be done with beer festivals, Ukrainian beer writer Lana Svitinkova writing about the Zeugel brewing tradition in Germany, UK writer Matthew Curtis talking about the blend of old and new in the Cascale tradition in Manchester, and many more. 
We believe passionately in this project, and if you believe the story of beer is ultimately a story about people and relationships, we think you'll love Final Gravity as well. You can order the new issue from our shop on beantobarstool.com, or you can also subscribe, including subscribing for your brewery tap room or break room, or you can subscribe and sign up to support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash beantobarstoolzines. Now, back to the episode. Jess described some of these recent collaborations from the brewery's perspective, and also explained the role of art design and beer names in helping each beer to tell a story. One of the things with chocolate, uh, you know, when you're looking at the terroir of different origins, you can have these very subtle differences between a chocolate from Costa Rica or a chocolate from Peru or whatever it might be. When you're selecting a chocolate to use on the beer side, do those differences matter as much or are you looking, I mean, are you getting down to the nitty gritty of like this particular origin is going to work with this? Absolutely. And, you know, French broad, I love, I just finished like my last one, like a week ago. Um, They do the little like packets. um, So the bar is, you know, Mm -hmm. miniature um, and you purchase, you know, it's probably like six to eight different bars. So you can taste through, you know, there's a couple of like a multi malt chocolate and there's a milk chocolate. And then there's kind of the, the varying degrees of dark chocolate and they're all associated with an origin. Um, so, so yes, we definitely work with them on the specifics of, of that origin. And I believe for, um, I was particles among the sky. I believe it was their Nicaraguan, and and they did a bonbon bar with that. Um, you know, so so I think you know for that one. I mean, you're just looking at kind of you're hitting on all of the, the kind of the sweet, delicious, kind of can't go wrong flavors, right? Of caramel, peanut, vanilla, and chocolate, of course. Um, you know, and the bonbon bar thinking as well there where it's, it's a layered, um, chocolate bar. Um, so I think it was kind of that, that approach specifically. With the name on that beer, uh, and looking at the names, a lot of your other beers, you guys uh, get pretty high concept with those, uh, names. Can you explain a little bit about what went into the name on that one and kind of what goes into that that pattern you use of, of creating those sort of elaborate names? Absolutely. Well, I'll have to first um, admit that it's my husband, Doug, who comes up with all of the names. Um, and, and so this is, you know, trying to get into his brain. But the, so the three different collabs that we've done with French Broad um, recently were you know, the I Was Particles Among the Sky, and that was that chocolate, roasted peanut, caramel, vanilla bean, and lactose. And that was inspired by Willy Wonka um, and specifically Mike TV. Um, so kind of this like combination of, of, okay, so Willy Wonka being like obviously nostalgic, candy, chocolate, mm-hmm. um, and then this Mike TV character as we were in the, we are in this COVID time of, of Zoom meetings and certainly um, when we were getting together on this collab, it was very much in the thick of the shutdown where, you know, we were only seeing people via FaceTime and Zoom meetings. And, and so it was kind of this like um, nod to kind of where our lives were in that moment um, combined, yeah, with, 
um, kind of the more obvious um, symbolic Willy Wonka character and, and movie and the nostalgia behind, behind all of that. Um, and then the other one was from Precarious Places, which is a golden sour ale with white chocolate and Carolina peaches. And French Broad released a um, really beautiful white chocolate bar um, that was made with peaches as well um, and had some, I think it was like dark chocolate um, just kind of sprinkled on top. And, and that also is, is kind of a nod for the, just being in a strange time and a strange place, um, you know, while, while trying to collaborate and continue to make these connections when, you know, connecting with, with people seems a little or is different than it, than it once was. And then the last one was the bounds of visionary unreality will exist nevermore. And that one, I do not know. <laughs> but that is an imperial stout with strawberry, chocolate, roasted peanuts, vanilla bean, brown sugar, and almond. And that came out um, in collaboration with another bomb bomb bar. And the goal with that one was, okay, 4th of July, we kind of started brainstorming about all the different desserts that one might eat. And that was inspired by the strawberry drumstick. So certainly thinking about like the ice cream man and summer and, um, and those types of inspirations. You mentioned uh, French Broad's packaging and how ornate it is and you know, the lengths they go to uh, explain their philosophy and everything in every single package. Not every brewery does that, but it feels like you guys put a lot into the presentation of you know your your packaging can you talk a little bit about the importance of that overall and and why that's so important to burial but uh then specifically with the uh labeling for i was particles a little bit absolutely um you know one of the the goals of our brand um and our business um kind of goes across you know all departments is to create immersive experiences for people um, you know, so when you think about the taproom experience, um, you know, it's like you have the mural and you're, you know, drinking this beer and you're eating this cheeseburger and, you know, there's music playing in the background and, you know, creating an experience that just is all encompassing and really like centers you in like time and place. Um, and so we, we feel that way about our, our cans and our packaging um, or bottles, as far as, you know, how do you create that immersive experience for somebody who is taking beer to go or has purchased your beer, you know, from a store? Um, and that is to us, the art, the, the name, which is interpretable, you know, certainly, um, you know, depending on the, the packaging, there might be like some lengthy copy attached to it which is also interpretable. The art is interpretable, you know, and, and then the, the beer is also the product, right? So it's really an experience that you can have on many different levels um, and really trying to kind of evoke some of that, you know, creative contemplation um, while experiencing our product. As far as I was particles among the sky, um, you know, it, it goes, you know, the, the particles that are, so it's, you know, it's like a, a half human who's being um, created by these particles from the sky, but they're kind of, you know, they're supposed, they're inspired by TV particles, like, you know, the, the fuzz or the white uh, sure. 
Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of, it's creating this person out of technology essentially, or out of the energy um, that we receive from, from this age of technology. And again, kind of that certainly during these COVID times, us, I think all feeling maybe a little, a little disconnected from like human to human interactions and starting to evolve into um, more, you know, screen interactions and, um, and that there's, you know, still like beauty in that and that there's a fleeting nature to it as well. Um, and, and that at the center of all of that is a real beating heart um, in, in the, on the label. And I think that the reminder that, you know, despite what's going on um, and how we're energetically or not being formed in that moment that we are still all like loving, living, breathing humans. Do you create the label art internally at Burial or do you have an artist you work with? We have an illustrator um, who, his name is David Paul Seymour. Um, he's based out of Minneapolis. And we have worked with him now for, I mean, since, since we started doing um, cans. So that's four or five years ago. Um, and, and depending, you know, during our busier times, you know, he's, he, he cranks out to two labels a week, um, which is really, really impressive um, that he has, you know, and he works with Doug. Um, so Doug kind of comes up with a name usually and kind of draws some inspiration, you know, with a collaborator will work on that inspiration with the collaborator, whether it's, you know, chocolate or beer. And, um, and then we'll, you know, work with, our graphic designer who is a, an employee of ours, Courtney, who's amazing. And um, then work when she'll work with David on kind of conceptualizing that and um, presenting those pieces. You mentioned the Bon Bon bars uh, back on around Father's Day. They had released an entire pack, like a variety pack of Bon Bons that were using your different beers. For you, how does the collaboration work in that direction when they're going to be creating a chocolate what is Burial's role and, and what influence do you have over what, what's going to come of that? Absolutely. I mean, you know, JL approached us and, you know, asked, um, you know, like here are kind of like the base bonbon bars. Um, and, you know, these are kind of the flavor profiles that we would need from, from beers, you know, and there was, there's one that's a peanut nougat IPA bonbon bar and, you know, an IPA, you know, something that doesn't obviously strike me um, as like a chocolate, yeah. like a beer that you would pair with chocolate or infuse with chocolate or vice versa. And so that was a really, I think, cool kind of step to take um, from a collaborative standpoint. You know, and IPAs have a, a, a spectrum of, of different flavors kind of depending on the hop profile. And Which so of your IPAs was that? We used a Surf Wax IPA in that one. and. Um, and so, so yeah, she definitely came to us with, with an idea, um, had, had some, you know, recognition of like, okay, I think that these styles of beers will work with this flavor profile that, that we're creating and, um, and then allowed us to go into our kind of, you know, portfolio and decide kind of based on that, knowing that, you know, while we have general styles, like within those styles, again, like beers, you know, vary significantly, um, that, that we were then, we just then presented her with what beer we would use in each one. 
when you taste those finished bonbons, are you able to pick out those beers or is that influence more kind of below the surface, just building out the flavor profile? You know, I, I would say that it's, it's building out the flavor profile more, um, you know, and what's so interesting about, you know, some of our stouts, right. It's like, you might even say that those don't taste like beer. So um, that they taste more like desserts. Uh, and so, you know, I think that I always say the IPA stands out to me. Um, again, I think because it's not um, so obviously desserty in and of itself. And so like I can extract kind of that flavor profile, but with the, the other three that it's like coconut porter and a couple imperial stouts that like, you know, um, really I think integrated into that flavor profile and, and created a, a richness to it. I was actually munching on the, uh, the caramel peanut one yesterday. I was going to ask if you had a favorite of those bars. That one for sure. Yeah. I think that was her favorite as well when I talked to JL she seemed to really love that one yeah I just love it like the caramel it's just so gooey and delicious <laughs> uh, and then you used some of their chocolate in your uh, seventh anniversary beer you just released right we did and that's you know that's something you know that we, we have been using their chocolate um, in our beers um, for a minute um, you know even there was this beer that we, we don't make anymore but it was called winnower and it was a chocolate raspberry porter. And it was specifically called Winnower. Um, I guess back up a little, we used to name all of our beers after tools. Um, turns out there's only so many tools <laughs> in the world. Um, and we make beer at a faster rate than new tools are coming out. Um, and so we have switched to the more poetic um, sentence structure. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but Winnower is a machine that, you know, chocolatiers use, I believe, to like remove um, the husk from the bean and, and it creates like a, a byproduct of sorts. And so we use this byproduct in, in the beer um, and it's not like overtly chocolatey, which wasn't necessarily our goal for this beer. Um, it almost had like a more like earthy component to it. And so we have, you know, worked with French Broad on, you know, utilizing different components even of their process um, in, in different beers. I was particles among the sky and my existence became nevermore is an imperial milk stout made with roasted peanuts, caramel, vanilla bean, lactose, and, of course, Nicaraguan cacao from French Broad Chocolates. If you're not familiar with it in brewing, lactose is milk sugar, and it's not fermentable by conventional brewing yeast, so its subtle sweetness makes it through to the finished beer. It's been used in standard-strength milk stout for over a century, but has recently become more broadly popular in craft beer to lend a gentle impression of sweetness to a beer with dessert-like flavors without being cloying. At 14% alcohol with a thick and silky mouthfeel, Iowa's Particles is like a liquid dessert all its own. Despite being initially inspired by Willy Wonka, the label art JL and Jess described isn't silly or even whimsical. It's kind of haunting, really. Hundreds of tiny silver dots tattoo into a matte black background in elemental figure. No muscle or skin clothes it, and the alveoli of lungs and the arteries running down the arms and up the neck are exposed against the darkness. 
The thick spine diverges into ghostly branches, and the hair dissipates outward like the leaves of a celestial tree. At the center, the only color on the entire label is a bright red, anatomically correct human heart. The first thing to hit my nose when I lifted the glass was roasted peanut shells, with milk chocolate and vanilla beneath it, and just a curious touch of overripe apple, likely coming from the higher alcohols of this robust fermentation paired with the acidity of the cacao and roasted malt. The sip brings satiny milk chocolate, but the sweetness is restrained enough to keep this from being syrupy. In the depths beneath that chocolate core is a formidable alcoholic strength, and around the edges are notes of roasted peanuts and shells and a faint ghost of acidity from the dark roasted malt. On the surface, the flavors are dessert-like, which makes them seem childlike and nostalgic. But the image in my mind as I tasted this seemed drawn more from the label. Clouds of space matter in an infinite night, roiling dark on dark. And in the center of those enveloping shadows, the warm beating heart of chocolate. The corresponding bonbon bar from French Broad is filled with layers of whipped chocolate ganache and caramel, both made with burial stout, and topped with salted peanuts, all wrapped in dark chocolate. The first three words in my tasting notes for the bar, and the only ones I jotted down for a few minutes, were, Oh my god. This is so luxurious, and here the focus is different from the beer, with a clear expression of salted caramel, and, while not planned, even a hint of caramel apple with the light acidity and distant fruit notes from the chocolate lying beneath that caramel robe. The peanuts provide a pleasing crunch and dryness to break up the rich, gooey layers. When a candy bar starts daydreaming in study hall, this is what it imagines being when it grows up. As French Broad and Burial demonstrate, craft beer and bean-to-bar chocolate are ripe for creative collaboration. And in future episodes of Bean-to-Bar Stool, we'll explore beers made with cacao, chocolate made with hops, yeast from the fermentation of one used in the other, and numerous other partnerships between the beer and chocolate worlds. In the next episode, we're going to look at pairing craft beer and bean-to-bar chocolate, We'll walk through unique considerations for pairing beer and chocolate to make a pairing a success, and look at some specific combinations that highlight how well beer and chocolate can play together on the palate. You can find more information about my guests, JL and Jess, in the show notes. The music for this episode was performed by my friend Anna P.S. You can find out more about her in the show notes or at her website, AnnaPSMusic.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Bean to Barstool. Thank you.